Lori, thank you for being willing to give that testimony today. How amazing is that? I'm so happy. I just keep thinking about how the Lord has miraculously touched you and healed you, and you're still just going. And I, I've told so many people this week, I said, I, you know, when you left last Sunday, you came back and gave Deb and I the testimony. And as you were leaving, I said to Deb, you went past the window. I said, look, watch her walk. Watch her walk. And uh, Deb and I were just, we were just amazed because, you know, if, if you guys knew Lori, she'd, you'd see her out there in the hall. She was still very faithful to church, but she'd just kind of be limping along, and then she'd stop and lean up against the wall. You remember that? And then she'd go a little bit further, and you'd say, Lori, how are you? And she'd and, yesterday, and last Sunday when she left out of here after she gave her testimony, she was walking across the parking lot. She was like this. She said, <laughs> she said, I can't wait to tell Kevin. Kevin had already left with the kids. He didn't even, Kevin, we knew before you did. That's terrible. But uh, she couldn't wait to get home. And then she was just high-stepping it toward the car. And I was so excited. I told Deb, I said, watch her go. I said, I haven't seen her walk like that in six months. And so uh, that's just very exciting. Thank you for sharing that. I believe that's going to be a catalyst uh, for many other people that are going to receive healing today. And, and as a result of that testimony over and over, they're going to receive healing. So thank you for doing that. I want you to get your Bible turned to First Chronicles chapter 28, verse 9. Today I'm going to talk about Solomon's charge. You've been here the last few weeks. We've talked about a lot of different biblical characters. What we had, uh, Simeon's blessing. Achan's disaster, Abram's decision, today Solomon's charge. First Chronicles 28, verse 9, David says, And you, my son Solomon, learn to know your father's God. Serve the Lord wholeheartedly and willingly because he searches every heart and understands every thought we have. If you dedicate your life to serving him, he'll accept you. But if you abandon him, he will reject you from then on. So be careful because the Lord has chosen you to build the temple as his holy place. Be strong and do it. Most of you are probably familiar with this passage just in case you're not. Let me tell you what's going on here. David, King David, has desired to build a house for God. To this point. God had always been with his people. Uh, he had chosen the, the, the Ark of the Covenant to abide in and hadn't really told David that he was going to do anything different, I guess. But David loved him and revered him and worshipped him and knew he wanted that Ark in his city, the old city of Jabus or Jerusalem. He wanted that presence of God there and he he was so grateful and thankful to to God for the things that he had done in his life the way it raised him up from just being a little shepherd boy to a, a now a mighty king and he said God I just want to build you a place that's worthy of of your presence and he knew we're incapable of that we we don't have the ability or the resources to do it but I want to try and so he spent years David spent years devising the plans, um, assembling the different resources, making arrangements. And then before he built it, God said to him, Dave, you're not going to build that. I've allowed you to dream it. I've allowed you to prepare for it. 
but you're a warrior. And because of the amount of blood that you have shed, I'm going to let your son Solomon, who is not a warrior, who is not a man of violence, I'm going to let him build this. And so at this time, in this passage of Scripture, what's going on is David is, is an old man, and he is, he is preparing to die. He knows he's about to go. And he gathers Solomon. He gathers the leaders together. And in front of the leaders, he commissions Solomon with this charge. And he says, I have gathered up, and I have made preparations and arrangements, and we've got timber coming, and we've got gold and silver coming. This thing's going to be amazing. But he said, Solomon, I'm going to charge you in front of everybody. You get this done. God said, you're the one to do it. I can't get it done. And I want all of you leaders to pay attention and make sure that he gets it done and that you help him get it done. And that's basically what's going on in the verses that we've read. He specifically instructs Solomon and I think it's to do several things here. It's, he's, he's given him a very brief two verses there. He, he's he's kind of telling David how to lead, how to rule, and how to build. I think he's kind of laying all that out for him right there. The only way that Solomon is going to be able to carry this out is if he will serve God correctly. And so that's what these verses is about. And he gives him these instructions. And I looked at these a couple of weeks ago and I wondered to myself, how many of these instructions are applicable to us? And then I realized that all of them are for this reason. The Bible tells us that we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. That. Since the time of Christ on the cross, God has decided he'll no longer dwell in an ark made by hands or in an elaborate temple even, which since has been destroyed. Ironically, because even though historically it would be very nice for it to be there, and we look forward to the day that it is again, in this dispensation it isn't necessary for it to be there. Why? Because God has said, I'll no longer dwell in that ark or in that building that you I have decided to dwell in you I will make my home in you and so he dwells in us now constantly he leads us and though we are not constructing a temple on Mount Moriah every one of us as believers are still commissioned to work on the temple where God resides today and that is in our own life Thereby, I believe that these instructions are still applicable to us. And it's a living word. It's all about understanding that you are the dwelling place of God. So how can we benefit personally from Solomon's charge? That's what this is about. It's very basic. You'll walk away from day and you'll be like, wow, that wasn't, you know, theologically, I've heard better. I mean, that, 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 that was pretty simple. And those of you that know me very well know that's about all I'm capable of. But this is about learning how to serve God correctly. Because until God is being served correctly in your life, the temple can't be built. 
or it can't be constructed as it's supposed to be. And it's symbolic of this story in the Old Testament. So the ways that God wants to be served are listed in these two verses. First of all, it says we're to serve the Lord by being wholehearted. Write that down. What does it mean? It means completely. Well, I've heard that message before, Pastor. This is the one where you say we can't serve, you know, two gods. We can only serve one. Uh, we have to be uh, wholehearted. And, and, and that's exactly right. Your heart, which is the seat of your emotions and your desires. All right? This is what we're talking about. Your heart, which is the seat of all your emotions and desires, must be 100% dedicated to serving God and Him only. Now, you've heard that so many times that you just kind of, some of you just say, I'm going to look at my phone. I'm going to take a nap. I've heard this before. Maybe you've heard this before, but have you let this get from your head to your heart? God says that the only way that the temple you're living in, that the person you are, that he has created and wants you to be, the only way it will ever be what he wants it to be is when you finally determine that you're going to serve him wholeheartedly. That's everything. And second, he said, Serve the Lord by being willing. And the word willing there means this. It means to be pleased and delighted to serve. How many of us are pleased and delighted to serve? We're pleased and delighted to be served. Aren't we? Aren't we? We're pleased and delighted to be served most times. But how many of us does it bring us great pleasure and delight to serve. And so we say, well, what's it talking about? This is talking about serving God. What are the ways that you can serve God? How are you gifted and equipped? What are your talents, treasures, and, and abilities? What are those things? And why do you think they were given to you? Well, they were given to me so I could make a living for my family and so we could enjoy an abundant life. No, they were given to you so that you could willingly serve God. Not grudgingly, not because you were manipulated, not because somebody tried to force you to. In fact, if somebody is having to coerce you in order to serve God, then you might as well not serve God because it's not doing you any good. And I'll show you why in a minute. But you should of your own volition be listening to the Spirit and saying, here are the ways where I feel I can serve and I'm not going to wait for anybody to come and twist my arm or beg me or berate me. I am going to voluntarily, willingly, happily just go start serving God. David said to Solomon, serve the Lord 100% and do it because you want to. Not out of fear or manipulation but merely out of love and a deep desire to serve. And then he goes on and tells us why we have to serve this way. Wow. This, this sentence right here, get in your spirit. I've been thinking a lot about this this week. Because God searches every heart and understands every thought we have. Why must I serve God wholeheartedly and willingly? 
Because if I don't, God will know. And if I try to do it any other way, it won't work. In fact, the only people that Jesus ever got upset with in the Bible were the religious people who were doing what they were doing as a show because they wanted people to see them. They're the only ones that Jesus ever got angry with. If you try to get to God any other way, then by doing it these two ways, it'll do you no good. That's why there's so many people that think that because they're good people, they're going to go to heaven. That's why good works really don't, I mean, they're wonderful and it's awesome, but unless they're out of the right motivation, they, they don't do any good except for maybe whatever good they do here, which is, which is great again, but for people who are, who are doing what they're doing on this planet just so they can be seen or just so they can get a tax break or whatever the case might be, that is going to be their only reward because God searches your heart. The seat of your ambitions, the seat of your emotions, the seat of how you feel and think and the way and every place that you act out of. God searches your heart and he understands every thought you have. So if your thought was, I'll do this so more people will see me, I'll do this so God's like, then you have your reward. He said it. In scripture, you have your reward. What's my reward? The fact that somebody saw you. When you held up your money and you waved it before you put it in the offering, that was your reward. Didn't do you no good in heaven. Didn't lay up no treasures there. But a couple of people around you were like, hey, man, he's put $10 in the offering. Wow. Why do you do what you do? David said, we're building a temple. God is trying to bring this temple to a place of maturity in Christ. Do what you do wholehearted. Do what you do willingly. Do what you do because you are dedicated. And if you're doing this one correctly, here's what that means. The word dedicated here means that you are pursuing God, that you are seeking God, that you are chasing after God. Not that you're that person that he is constantly having to chase after. Some people are those people. They're so immature in their walk with Christ. He's constantly having to pursue them by the Spirit. But God is looking for those people that love him and want to serve him so much that every day when they wake up, the first thing they do is say, God, I'm up. What do we want me to do today? Where are we going today? How can I help you? How can I serve you today? I'm chasing after you. I'm about the things that you're about. The scripture said, for those who chase after him, look at it right there. For those who chase after him, the verse says he will accept. But those who don't come this way, what does he do? He rejects. What's it mean? Well, I'm I'm about to blow your theory if you had one of once saved, always saved. Now, you know you know my stance on all that. I believe that once you're saved, you're saved unless you don't want to be or, or to quit acting like you want to be. But this is about to blow, the, blow the, the theology out of the water for those people that say, well, once I'm saved, I'm always saved. It doesn't matter what I do, what I think, what I say, where I go. None of that matters. If I pray to prayer, then I'm, that's it. I'm done. Not according to this. It says that if you abandon God... He will reject you from then on. Let 
Which means, can you still come back? Yes. Yes, you can. Does he still love you? Yes, he does. Does he still want you to go to heaven? No question. His son still died for you. All of that is true. But for people that have known God and known his spirit, have walked with him and then turned their back on him and ran in a different direction and don't care and don't listen to conviction and continue to live in sin, for those people, you're walking in a very, very dangerous place according to the scripture. It says if you abandon him, he will reject you. Now, I don't know at what point that comes. I just know that the farther away you get from the Lord, it's not him getting further from you, it's you getting from him. And the farther you get, the harder it is to hear his voice screaming, come back. So if you abandon him, if you abandon him, and you make your mind up that that's it, I'm done, I'm done. I'm not serving the Lord. I don't want to walk with God. You make your mind up. The scripture said, if you abandon him, if you ignore that conviction, if you run far enough, if you keep on going, that eventually he will reject you. Why will he reject you? Because he doesn't love you anymore? No. He'll reject you because he has no choice. Because you've ignored every, every conviction and every implication of ever serving him. You've ignored that and ran from that. Here's what you guys need to understand. All of us need to understand that. Jesus wants to save us all. But you can only be saved if you want to be. Some people don't want to go to hell, but they don't want to be saved. Huh? Some people pray a prayer because they don't want to go to hell. But they don't want to be saved. If they wanted to be saved, it means, it means that they have counted the cost, like Jesus said they would do. That they've committed their life to Christ and that they're doing their dead level best to serve him and heed conviction in their life. And if they're not doing that, David said to Solomon, you're going to have to serve him wholeheartedly. You're going to have to serve him because you want to. And you're going to have to be dedicated to that commitment. And he said, and then you're going to have to be careful. That's number four. Careful means consider this. Discern what this entails. He's saying this is serious business, Solomon. What you're about to do is serious business. Proceed through this life with caution and care. Pay attention. Keep up. Pray. Stay in the word. Be faithful in church and in your walk. Be careful because this is not a game. All of our Christmas and Easter Christians need to hear that. This isn't a game. Your eternal life depends on how you construct this temple. And here's what's cool about it. David reminded right here in this passage, he said, the Lord has chosen you to do this. God has chosen you to live in this temple and to bring him glory thereby. He's chosen you to dwell in. He's chosen you because he knows that you're capable of working at this relationship until you, Ephesians talks about, until, until we come into the fullness of Christ or until we, be, until we become mature believers. That's the temple we're talking about being constructed.
God's chosen us as his holy place. Say that for a minute. God has chosen me. Say that with me. God has chosen me to be his holy place. How's it looking? How's that temple looking? Is that a comfortable place for the Holy Spirit to dwell? Or is he constantly, is he constantly by your decisions in your lifestyle, is he constantly uncomfortable in your life? David said, Solomon, you got to be careful, full of care and concern. God has given you this holy mandate. So take it seriously on how you are constructing this temple. And lastly, he said, strong, be strong. Uh, And you say, well, pastor, I know what this one means. You probably do. It means to be committed, but it means to continue sure with urgency. To continue sure with urgency. Be strong and do it. Way before Nike got a hold of it. David was saying to Solomon, just do it. No faltering, no inconsistency, no wishy-washy. And Solomon was not done with this until the temple was built, until the temple was finished and completed. And if you go back, I love the story. I I didn't include this, but if you go back and read once this all culminated at the the, the prayer, then they they constructed this tall uh, platform and Solomon crawled up on that and got down on his knees and threw his hands up to heaven and prayed this prayer. It was an amazing prayer. I, I was so happy to see that in the scripture. And I thought to myself, how, what an impression that would have made on all of those Israelites as they watched their king bowed on his knees with his hands lifted to heaven, crying out to God, come and bless this place. When we repent, please forgive us. Wherever we go, let us be blessed. Let us be following you. Let us be pleasing to you over and over. Verse, 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 verse. And when he finished the glory of the, of the Holy Spirit, the glory of God, so filled the temple that the priests who were commissioned to go in could not even go in. The glory was so thick. David said to Solomon, I want you to be strong and finish this work. And the Holy Spirit says to us, I want you to be strong and finish this work until your life is so filled with the glory of God that people can't bear to be around you without being changed. Are people changed by being around you or do they know you're a believer? We should be... We should be so full of the power and the presence of God that wherever we go, people know. And somebody says, what's that about so-and-so? And they say, well, they're a believer. They're a Christian. I mean, there's no doubt they're a Christian. They just have power. They, they pray powerful prayers. Their life has ever, there's just so much fruit. You just can't deny that person is a Christian. Be strong. 
stay true to the work until we are completely mature in Christ. So these are the charges that, that Solomon was given by David. Wholeheartedly, willingly, dedicated, carefully, and completely in strength. That same, that's the same charge to us. And, and I love the first sentence of this text the most. It really spoke to me. I was reading this the other day. Look at that with me. Have you got your Bible or your phone or wherever you're looking? Look at this. It says, and you, my son Solomon, learn to know your father's God. Man, I just kept going back. I, my eyes just kept going back to that one. Solomon, learn to know your father's God. Because when you get to know God the way that David knew him, you'll want to serve him in all the ways that he served him. And you won't serve God in those ways until you get to know him the way David knew him. Does that make sense? And here's something I want you to understand. I can't know God for you. And your mom and dad can't know God for you. And your grandpa can't know God for you. Have you ever came up to people and talked to them and said, are you a believer? And they said, well, you know what? My grandpa was a preacher. Well, that's not what I asked. So are you a believer? Well, my mother teaches Sunday school down at her church. Cool. Didn't answer my question, but that's awesome. You ever see people that try to skirt that personal? So, you know, because you have that conversation and you say, hey, when, you know, Let's talk about that. When did when did you when did you come? Tell me about when you came to know Christ. I say that to people sometimes, and and they get weird looks on their faces. These are Christians, but they're uncomfortable talking about Jesus. Huh? So tell me about when you tell me about it when you came to know Christ. Tell me how old were you? And they, some of them say, "Well, I don't really know. I mean, I don't know." Uh, we were down, you know, we always went to first such and such church and, and, uh, we, you know, we were there every Sunday, you know, I guess at some point in there somewhere, I guess I, you guess really, I remember exactly when that was for me. I remember the day I remember what was going on at church that day. I remember a lot about it for a kid that was only seven years old. I remember when I got baptized. I got baptized in the swimming pool out in Southern California. I shouldn't tell you all this, especially on live stream. I was so scared I peed my pants. But fortunately, I was in the swimming pool. Nobody knew. Poor folks that got baptized right next to me. I remember. I was sitting next to this little girl. She was my age. We were sitting right next to each other. And they was fixing to grab us and pull us in the pool. And I mean, I couldn't help it. And I went ahead and got in the pool real quick. They hadn't even called for me yet, but she was sitting right next to me, so I went in the pool. I remember. I remember when I was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I mean, I remember exactly when it was. I, I, there was nobody else even there. I was all by myself. I remember. I was sitting down here on this front seat. We were singing that last song about I'll be found in you. And I started remembering all the times that 
I knew I had been found in Christ. I, 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 it was an emotional time for me. I was standing there and I was just thinking about some of those experiences that I've had in those moments where Christ, where he spoke to me, the Holy Spirit spoke to me at different times when he was calling me into ministry and how I knew I was called and, and dreams that I had. When I was 12 years old, I dreamed. I dreamed of being a man like I am now and doing what I'm doing right now when I was 12 years old. I, I saw myself doing this at that time. And, and, and di- just different things throughout my life where, where that I would say, God, I, you know, I'm 18 years old and, I, and I, I don't know where I'm going. I'm not in Bible college. I'm just, I'm just out here living like the devil. But I know you call me. Would you give me some kind of a sign that you hadn't forgot about me? And at that very moment, Jerry, shooting stars start going across the sky and I had to pull off the side of the road and tears are flooding you say that's just a coincidence and it might have been but isn't it an amazing coincidence that god let it happen right when i said give me a sign that you hadn't forgot about my car i mean and i go back to just different times over and over where i say god if you really want me to preach i haven't told a soul but if you really want me to preach then have somebody call me this week and that week two pastors said when are you gonna come preach at my church I'm in a process of learning to know my father's God. And yet I'm constantly reminded that I've got to continue that. For some of you young folks, you, you, you're, you're where you're at. It's awesome that you're in his house. I praise the Lord that this is your commitment. But you're going to be faced with a day. Some point in your life, you're going to be faced with a decision. When, you, when, you're, when you're sitting underneath the, 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 the tutelage of some professor at some point that wants to tell you that you've lost your mind because you're a Christian, there is no such thing as God. And you're going to be faced with some of those things as you go through your life. And what are you going to do? Are you going to say, well, I believe in God. And he says, why? Because my mom and dad took me to church that's why and he's going to laugh in your face you believe in God because your parents did does that mean that you can't think for yourself you're going to have to you're going to have to wrestle with this issue yourself you got to wrestle with this until it's your own conviction not because your grandpa was or your grandma was or your mom and dad was or your, or your sister is. But because you have at some point come to a place in your life where you said, you know what? I know him and I'm not going to let anybody talk me out of him. I know him too well, whether I feel his presence or if I had to walk in faith. Doesn't make a bit of difference. I know who I have believed in and I place my faith in him and that's never going to change. I'm going to wrap this up by telling you a dream I just had this week. It's kind of embarrassing. Almost like my baptism story. You ever had dreams that you're kind of, you're kind of embarrassed? I always had weird dreams. I had a vivid imagination. I always had weird dreams, Jerry. I was always that kid who was, in my dreams, I was flying around above the teacher and she was trying to hit me with a paddle. And I would fly above the class in my underwear and all the kids would laugh and she'd try to hit me with a paddle. He said, Pastor, you're weird. I've been a weird kid my whole life. And, and, and though I never was in my underwear at school, I did get hit with that paddle prophetically many times. She was able to reach me. So I had this dream the other night. And I dreamed I was in the, the back part of a church. It wasn't our church, but I had gone to this church, and I was the speaker that night at this church. There were hundreds of people. I looked in from the foyer. I looked in, and I saw the, the place was just filled with people. And I was standing in the back, and I was looking through the back door, looking at all the people in the seats. And I looked down, kind of glanced down at myself and realized, oh, my lands. I'm here to preach, 
I got on pants, shoes, and a jacket. But I don't have on no shirt or tie. How did I forget that? You ever had one of those and you're just like, oh, Lord, what am I going to do now, right? And so, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm going from, from crevice to crevice in the building, hiding from spot to spot, hoping nobody sees me. And I'm trying to think, what am I going to do? And service is going. They're about to announce me. And finally, I, I kind of pull it together and I walk in and I see my dad. And he's sitting in this section about, oh, about halfway up right over here in about the third or fourth seat over, and there was a seat next to him. And I walked in, and I sat down next to him. And he looks at me, and he has this weird look on his face. That look of a parent that would be aghast that their children are without clothing, and they're about to be in front of hundreds of people. That look. And I said, Dad, I need to borrow a shirt. And he reaches back to take his shirt and tie off and realizes he doesn't have one on underneath. And he just gives me that look like, I don't know what to do. I'm not going to be able to help you. And the dream ended. I'm thankful that it ended. Because they were about to call my name. I lay there for a minute and the Holy Spirit said. You can't wear your father's anointing. You have to wear your own. Pretty powerful, huh? God speaks to our church today and he says, you can't wear your father's anointing. You have to wear your own. You can't serve somebody else's God. You got to serve your own. This God is a very personal God. This is not a God that you serve from afar. This is a God with whom you have a personal relationship. not Sunday morning church God he's friend God who's trying to live inside you on Friday and Saturday night somebody say amen how well do you know God for yourself have you been trying to know him through someone else And listen to this statement. Until you know Father God for yourself like David did, you can never hope to be able to serve him as Solomon was charged to do so that day. And now the charge is yours. Solomon's charge is yours. The charge is this. Get to know God for yourself well enough to serve him as he desires until you know your father's God until you know God for yourself you cannot hope to be able to serve him wholeheartedly willingly dedicated committed strong how could you how could you sell out And give your life for a cause that you weren't even sure of. And that's why so many people, when they're backed in the corner, when they're actually backed into the corner, they deny their faith. They deny what they believe. And the reason they can deny what they believe is because, I believe, is because they never truly 
learn to know their Father God. Once you really know Him like this, life or death, I'm convinced. I mean, I'm not all that brave, but I am very convinced if somebody walked in right now, put a gun to my head and said, denounce Christ or we're going to shoot you, I'd be scared to death and I might be looking for a swimming pool to crawl in again. But, I'll tell you right now, there is no decision to be made. Far too much to gain. I know way too much to lose. And if put in that situation, it's not that I'm making a choice. I don't even have a choice. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ that liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live in faith based on the Son of God. Can you make that statement? If not, you don't know God for yourself. You're in the right place. It's good that you hang around here. It's good that you even serve here. We're glad to have you given here. All those kinds of things you do, that's awesome. But if you can't say, I know the same God you know the way you know Him, I know Him. Then you're lost. You're good. You're a good person. But you're lost. Lord, I ask you today, would you help us? Would you help us as we examine our heart and life? Are we that committed? Do we want to be? Some are wrestling with that today. Maybe they're not to the point that they're ready to make that all-in commitment. They are in your house. They're hearing your word. They know the plan. They understand the way. They've even prayed a few prayers and maybe even cried a few times at an altar, but they're just not ready to know their Father God wholeheartedly, willingly, dedicated, completely. And to operate out of that in strength. They're just not ready. Lord, I pray for every person that is. Give them the courage right now to respond to your word. I would ask all of you during this song, do me a favor. Do me a favor. If you need to come and find Jesus for yourself, then don't let this moment get away. And for all of those of you who really in your heart, you really have asked Jesus in your heart, but you just never thought about it this way. You really, you, 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 to this point, you, you were thinking, yeah, I mean, but something has just kicked you in your spirit to say, I got to dig in and get to know God for myself. That doesn't mean that you're a sinner. That doesn't mean that you're in need of repenting to go to heaven. It just means you're acknowledging the fact that the Holy Spirit has said to you today, where you're at is not where I want you. I'm trying to take you from a superficial, shallow experience into a deep, committed relationship for life. 
if you don't feel like you're there for whatever those reasons the first, second or any others you can think of I want you to come and find yourself a place on your knees when you hit your knees say God I want to know you like David did I want to know you like my grandma did I want to know you like my daddy did I want to know you like whoever that is I want to know you I want to know you God I want to know you for me I want to know you for me and I'm going to kneel here until you speak to me Lord until I'm going to kneel here until I have that breakthrough with you come on let's pray We'll come and pray. We'll stand to your feet if you would. Make it easy for somebody to get out. Everybody, if you would, stand. If you can, if there's, especially if there's people around you so that if they want to get out, they don't have to try to step over you. But let's make it easy for people to come to this altar to respond. I know that it's difficult. takes a lot of courage. But I'm just telling you today, this is one of those altar responses for me, man. That I, I just, I, I've been in my office this morning saying, God, I want to know you. I, I want to know my father's God, but I want to know my father, God. I, I want to know you for myself. I, I want to know you. For every person that has that desire in their heart, the same I've got, that'll join me. I want you to come. Let's find a place around these altars and let's kneel for a little while. God bless you.